These are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. by Jeremy Bentham? I always thought it was Michel Foucault, but he merely took the concept and expanded upon it. Oh, Jeremy Bentham from Lost? I love that show. Yes, great show, no doubt. But I'm talking about Jeremy Bentham, the English philosopher? Ugh, boring. Oh, Captain. Remind me, do you enjoy it when Starfleet High Command comes to visit and observe your captaining? No, I certainly do not. And why not? Um, because I don't like people watching me be awesome unless I've invited them to watch me be awesome. (laughs) Well then, dear Captain, I must tell you that you do, in fact, care about the Panopticon. Start the show. Oh, all right. Hi, everybody. I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. (laughs) And I'm Laura Sigarski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer. And I just wish that people read more philosophy and, you know, folks by people who are dead in general. You do love the the old dead white male writers. I mean, I like to think that I just enjoy all of the dead writers, be they <laughs> women or members of a minority ethnic group. <laughs> yeah it'd be nice if there were more of those it um, would it would yeah just a reminder to friends at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists unless of course we are your therapists this podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist so perhaps today some of our listeners are wondering why we're talking about the panopticon <laughs> And and fair they would be to True. question that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine that many of our listeners have never, ever heard of the Panopticon unless they uh, themselves studied philosophy or sociology. Well, they also, they might be familiar with the Panopticon if in the late aughts, they were really into uh, Film Crit Hulk. Huh, What? Um, my understanding is that this, this human is a, is a blogger and I I think that they identify as a man, but I actually don't know. Um, in the, in the mid to late aughts, um, this individual came to fame because they would review movies, but as if they were Hulk. So all of their (laughs) reviews were in caps and they were known by their Twitter, their Twitter handle, uh, at Film Crit Hulk. And the most famous thing they ever did was I think they did like a New York Times or New Yorker review of um, the first time that Mark Ruffalo took on the Hulk mantle. And why would that make us think of the Panopticon? Um, that's actually how I found out about the Panopticon. So what? back What's happening. This was when we were in grad school together, the captain and I. Um <laughs> and I was I was new to Twitter and it was just before I took a very long break from Twitter, not because of uh film crit hulk, but you know, more because of um 
No, you know what? I took my break because that was right around the time it became clear to me that President Barack Obama did not care about the environment and was going to continue to sign and pa- sign legislation that was anti-environmentalist. And and it was a it was a dark time for me. But anyway, before <laughs> I had this realization, <laughs> listeners, stay with me. I followed Film Critic on Twitter. <laughs> um, and he liked someone who was also on Twitter, and I don't remember their Twitter handle. I remember that they were maybe a failed PhD student, but because they quit, not because they flunked out. And they were talking about back and forth on Twitter, Film Crit Hulk and this other person whose name I don't recall. Um, they were talking about the Panopticon. Why? That I don't remember. I, <laughs> no, yes, I do. Because this person wrote a blog comparing, using the Panopticon to understand um, Britney Spears' meltdown. Okay? It's because Oh, my God. The, yes. So what they, they – so, okay, I should briefly explain the idea of the Panopticon, which is more your arena than mine, but I'm going to try and you're going to, like, help me out. So Jeremy Great. Bentham had this idea that you would – you you have this this big tower in the center of basically prison cells and mm-hmm. if you were in the tower you could see everyone in their cells but the people in the cells couldn't see you and so this idea of one way observation would frighten the prisoners um into being better people better in air mm-hmm. quotes um, and so this blogger whose name I can't remember, and I'm so sorry, because otherwise I would link to her blog. Um, <laughs> she was talking about how that's part of why like celebrities basically lose their minds because um, they live in an ecosystem in which they are themselves in the panopticon and they are being, whenever they go out in public, they're being viewed all the time mm-hmm. and that that would slowly drive you mad as Jeremy Bentham and then later Michelle Foucault talked about oh that wow that was amazing <laughs> i truly can't believe we've never talked about this before i know it's wild um yeah i mean the uh the original purpose of the panopticon was uh was capitalist at its core it was how do we save money and not have as many prison guards oh sure 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 so we can we only need one dude in a tower if he can see everybody yeah, it's it's not great. <laughs> and I believe in, and like this is you're going to know more about this than I am, but I think that mm-hmm. like Jeremy, right? Mm-hmm. Jeremy Bentham not to be confused with Jeremy Barry <laughs> Jeremy Bentham is not Jeremy Barry That is correct. Jeremy Bentham thought that the Panopticon was a good idea, right? Yes, he did. He was like this is a wonderful solution to this problem, which is that it is hard to have so many prison guards. We could just have one prison guard and everybody would obey him because they would feel like they are constantly under surveillance. And for those of you who have never heard of the Panopticon and you're like, wait, how could he possibly see everybody? As Spock described, there's a tower in the center. It's circular all around. And there's there are cell it sells all the way down, but not deep. So it's just one cell. There's no cell behind it. Yes. Um, and I mean, you perhaps the minute you saw the name of this episode, you Googled it, but you can very easily Google Panopticon and see a picture of it. Um, yeah. And then Michelle Foucault came along and was like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> this is, uh, inhuman. Jeremy, 
Jeremy Bentham, this is inhuman. This is inhumane. Yeah. People can't feel like they're constantly being watched. And Jeremy was probably like, yes, they can if they've violated enough of our social norms that we've constructed via the Westworld <laughs> construct. I mean, he probably didn't say that because the Westworld construct is our word, but like you get the idea. <laughs> right. He was like, they broke the law. Right. They deserve to be stared at the entire time. That does sound terrible. Just like constantly being stared at. You know what else this reminds me of? And this is going to be uh, our last tangent before we like really loop this into like modern day. Um, mm-hmm. This reminds me of the episode in Adventure Time where BMO meets their um, romantic partner, Bubble, who's voiced by LeVar Burton. <gasps> what? I, you know, I'm not an Adventure Time aficionado. So tell me more about this Laverne, this LeVar Burton situation. Um, this is a great episode featuring BMO, not the least of which because um, BMO and LeVar Burton and Bubble adopt a large giant child that um, <laughs> like the big baby and spirited away yeah very similar to that um they probably were inspired by that big baby and spirited away and mm-hmm. um what is it bubble wants to name the baby sparkle bimo wants to name it something else i don't remember what bimo wants to name it but like the one of the jokes of the episode is that it turns out that the baby's name actually is sparkle <laughs> um but at any rate at the very, very end of the episode, <laughs> Bimo is able to return home with Bubble LeVar Burton and uh, knocks on the door and like Finn and Jake come out. And then I think that I think it's Jake who pops Bubble. Pops Bubble. Yeah. And so initially Bimo is devastated because Bubble is gone. Mm, but and, and she just cries terrible. or they just cry. Right. And but then mm-hmm. LeVar Burton's beautiful, melodious voice says, don't worry, Bimo. I remember who, what I actually am and I'm the heir. And so I'll be with you all the time. You'll never be alone. And Bimo becomes oh. just so happy. And then but then like Bubble LeVar Burton, who's now the heir, the atmosphere proceeds to explain mm-hmm. like wherever you are in the bathroom at night while you're sleeping in the morning <laughs> while you're eating <laughs> Um, and I didn't until now connect that part of what Bubble was describing was the Panopticon. Wow. Yeah. And I'm guessing that BMO was cool with it at first. And then they were like, uh, you're going to watch me when? Where? All the time? Yeah. Actually, BMO seemed to really consent to all of it. Okay. BMO was like so overjoyed that like they would never be alone. Okay. Well, as long as there's consent. Right. Um, but crucially, with the Panopticon, there is no consent. Correct. Yeah. So, scooting on into the modern day. Uh-huh. Modern day. Modern day. <laughs> wow. This is probably the most I've ever sung on the podcast, and I'm going to stop because that was a little unsettling for me. I hope that was okay for you <laughs> listeners. Um, for those of you who listen on a regular basis, you will know that this is like a continuation of podcasts with start, that start with the letter P. So we had pass over your pandemic, we had mm-hmm. Picard yourself, <laughs> and now we have the pandemic Panopticon, a double oh, it's, P. It's, it's, oh, oh, it would be P3, but, but we have four P's, so it's P squared. Oh, I suppose so. It makes, yeah, it makes a nice square. Love a good mm-hmm. right angle. <laughs> um so we're gonna talk again about the pandemic yay yay <laughs> um and 
theoretically, when we were planning out this episode, we were like, this one will be maybe a little bit um, brighter than our Passover pandemic. And I'm like looking back on that now and I'm like, what was I thinking when I pitched yeah, this? Why, because why was that? Because <laughs> we're talking about the Panopticon. Um So, you know, things are things sometimes what seems like a good idea on paper is still a good idea when you talk about it. It just changes. <laughs> <laughs> and like just to be clear in case everyone's like wondering. This is not an episode in which we attempt to make the argument that um, quarantining is somehow like being in jail or like being in prison, because it surely is not. Um, It's quite different from both of those things. Mm -hmm. And we also very much um, are of the, you know, like scientifically based uh, opinion that it's helpful that we're all quarantining right now. It is helping to keep us all as safe as one possibly can be in a time of viral plague. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you for making that distinction. What's funny is that Foucault actually wrote about a a plague, um, a village under quarantine. And I, I do not I do not agree exactly with what Foucault is saying. I just think it's really interesting that he he talked about this exact thing um his point was that uh this medieval village is under this constant surveillance so that so that they follow the rules of the quarantine you know what this is reminding me of hmm. it is reminding me of um alexander hamilton not the, the musical? cute, friendly, musicalized version, because actually mm-hmm. Alexander Hamilton, the person, was awful. He was a racist. I he was a re- sexist. Mm. He was just the worst. And he referred to the populace, the general public in the United States, then mm-hmm. it was, you know, the colonies, as the beast. Oh, God! And he wrote about how the beast you know needed to be harnessed Hmm. and how really it was i suppose his job and his fellow learned gentleman's job um to to you know like pass laws to basically make sure that the beast didn't um you know like hurt themselves but also continued to be useful Oh, and this connects to the Panopticon because... Yes, great. That's where I was headed. It's not clear to me whether or not Michel Foucault thought this was a good idea that this was used in medieval times, but, like, it very much kind of goes along with this line of thinking that, like, those who are learned are smarter than the general populace, and in order for the general populace to do what is in their best interest, and I'm, again, using air quotes, you know, like, you have to take a very much, like, top-down authoritarian role. So, like, the threat of the Panopticon is necessary because otherwise these villagers would not stay in their homes, mm-hmm. right? They are too simple to be explained the importance of quarantining. Which, like, is maybe fair for the medieval people? I would say no. I would push back no? on that very hard. You push back You push back on that? You think the medieval people understand? Like, we were still talking in humors then. Yeah, sure, but like if someone had bothered to like explain what was going on, mm. you know, sure, like have a conversation using their language, meeting them where they're at, like Sal Mnuchin style, <laughs> <of structural laughs> Sal <family>. Mnuchin. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that like maybe the medieval people like would have been able to understand this idea that like the a person can't be reasoned with. I just I mean, unless there's a serious some type of like cognitive delay such that the person is comatose or there's something else very severe happening. Like if they are of like average intellect, sure, you can things can be explained. Yeah, okay, yes, accepted. Accepted that people can be explained things. Yes. And also, uh, we exist in a world where we each have our very own Westworld construct. Sure. And one's Westworld construct can trump the evidence which is placed in front of them, unless they change their Westworld construct. So if one's Westworld construct is freedom trumps everything, go back to our Mm. Uh, drug of choice is freedom episode. Oh, sure, and all that fringe, <laughs> all of all of the suede in the heat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God, just the chafing. <laughs> and I'm not gonna say anything more. I just I no. think that's enough. Just to call I'm to just, mind the just, chafing. Just drop that there. Um, <laughs> if if your Westworld construct is freedom trumps everything. And you are given this evidence that, or you were reasoned with and told like, hey, I hear you, freedom does trump everything, and also hear all these things that are happening. Mm. If you can't shift your Westworld construct to incorporate this new information, and you, con- and you continue to live with the idea that freedom trumps everything, you, you will fight this idea that quarantine is positive. So you're saying we need to put people in a panopticon. I am not saying we need to put people in the panopticon. No, I know. I was just, I was just teasing you. I, you would never <laughs> say that. And really, the the number of people who are who are really like sort of anti quarantine in in the United States is is quite small. Mm-hmm. Like for the amount of media coverage it's getting, you would think that it was like half of America or something. It's not half of America. Mm-hmm. Small yet vocal minority. Minority. Hmm very loud yeah and also i mm, i didn't think i was going to come down on this side of things but i guess i kind of am oh boy yeah i know i think there is and for folks at home you will not know this because this is not something that i talk about um in my undergrad i majored in sociology Mm -hmm. with with a specialty in law crime and deviance (laughs) You know, I didn't know that, but it makes a lot of sense um, because something that we we touch on ever so briefly and we're touching mm-hmm. on right now is your love of crime. I do love crime. Crimes. <gasps> oh, we should circle back to Night in the Woods because a very exciting thing happened recently, listeners. The captain played her first video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we talked about it a little bit on, on the last pod. But oh, you're we right. Can, but we can explain crimes. Um <laughs> So technically, I don't have I don't have a sociology colon LCD uh, certificate because I, in all of my early twenties wisdom, was like, you know what? It, it my my degree is going to be a lot more generalizable if I don't like have it on paper that I specialized in law, crime, and deviance. I just want to have a basic sociology degree, even though I had the credits to have the specialized credential wow i know fucking idiot Mm, we all make choices 
We do. We all make choices. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, oh, yeah. And you, I know your worldview and I don't think you're going to like this. That's fine. But I, I don't think, have to like everything. That's fair. I think <laughs> there is some benefit to having some kind of social control to manage behavior. That's a hard no from me. <laughs> and I'm not saying it needs to be literal police or that it needs to be literal, like, uh, uh, towers, towers, absolutely no to towers. Um, but that we need to have some kind of agreement as a society on, on rules and and what happens when we break those rules and i realize as i'm saying this that all i talk about most of the time is challenging social norms uh-huh and choosing what works for you uh-huh so i'm kind of i i'm kind of fucking with my own head right now i know i just i want this is great i want to just hear more tell me how how are your parts responding to all of this my my, my parts are, are in a in a frenzy it's like <laughs> they're frenzied um, for folks who I don't know have somehow missed this or like this is your first app, welcome. Um, the captain <laughs> is doing a year-long, um, I don't know, Starfleet intensive study in the world of internal family systems. Um, mm -hmm. And internal family systems, in a nutshell, is this idea that rather than the consciousness being just like one unified self in fact mm -hmm. our consciousness is broken up to like a series a myriad of different parts mm -hmm. and this thing called the self is like the leader or conductor of all mm -hmm. of these parts and we run into trouble when the self is not the one that's like making the decisions rather the different parts are taking over and like i don't know trying to keep the self safe but really just locking the self in the cellar mm-hmm and so when I checked with the captain about how her parts were doing, mm -hmm. it was very much going back to the, the IFS um, conception of consciousness. Yeah. And I, do, I, I think that was a really great way to mention IFS today because we can't not. Um, no, that's true. And, and I, think, I think that's really fair that I have different parts that feel different ways about this specific thing. Yes. And Richard, is that his name? Dick Schwartz. You, Dick, you're right. yes. Mm -hmm. Great, Richard. I'm switching to Richard because if I go with the D, I just want it to be David, and it's not David Schwartz, it's Richard. Um, Richard <laughs> Schwartz, founder of IFS, would be so proud. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how Dick would feel about how I use what he, what he wrote down. I mean, I guess I hope that he wouldn't go all Anne Rice about it. <laughs> you know hard, I, or like jk know. rowling i hope that he would have like a good sense of humor about it um they're like stop fanficking ifs <laughs> poor richard <laughs> like, hopefully he cool. doesn't listen if he doesn't like it then he just doesn't have to listen but choices yeah that's fair that's anyway fair you were choices. talking about the importance of rules <laughs> and authority Ugh. Now I'm just mad at myself for having these feelings. I'm mad I have a part that feels this way, which is another part that's having that feeling about this other part. You see how confusing IFS is. It's very confusing, folks at home. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's been a whole journey. Like, it, it, as you might imagine, most of the journeys captain, the captain goes on, I am a part of as well. 
Um, and I will admit that initially when the parts began, I was like, no, please, no more parts. And mm -hmm. um, as some of you also might know, we are in the stages of writing a book. And there is at one point, maybe like midway through the writing of the book, <laughs> we're on our video call because like we have a Google Doc and then we call each other. And so we can chat things through. I turned to the captain and I was like, please, I need a break from parts language. I need <laughs> us to just talk about how we're writing this sentence without using parts. You literally said not everything is is IFS. Yeah. And very much to your credit, you took like a deep breath, inhale, <laughs> like a deep inhale, deep exhale. And you were like, okay. Okay. How can I say that not in parts language? I mean, it's very hard when you are studying something like really, really, really in depth. Um, mm -hmm. It just, it, it does just start to like, you start to see the connections everywhere. Right. Yes. And, but back and this... to authority. <laughs> back to authority. Ah. There, need, there needs to be structure. Is that a better way to say it? I think so. That it, that, that it, you know, like even a sandbox needs to have sides. Because mm -hmm, right. if a sandbox doesn't have sides and the sand's all over the place, then you're not going to be able to build your castle because it's just everywhere. And so there does need to be structure. There needs to be a system in place. And, you know, this makes me go back to, of course, the power of myth. And mm -hmm. um, when Joseph Campbell was talking to his friend Bill Moyer, who maybe wasn't his friend, but in my head canon, they were friends. Um, <laughs> they spent a lot of time together. They sure did. I could go somewhere with that, but I'm not going to. Um, I'm, I'm going to stay where I'm at right now, which is that, like, at, at one point during one of the, was it a four-part series or five? I don't know. I have it on DVD. Okay. It doesn't matter. Um, one the, DVD. <laughs> one DVD. The Power of Myth on one DVD. Um, remember CD-ROMs? I'm all over the place. I promise we're going to stay here. <laughs> Joseph Campbell made the point that, like, a system is is only is useful up until the point that it it demands human sacrifice oh, or human beautiful. suffering in order mm -hmm. to maintain the system and once your system demands human suffering and human sacrifice to exist then the system basically is null and void and he was like you basically need to just break it apart and rebuild he was like we're not going to patch it up because if you patch it up you just what the system is going to want to do, and this was so family systems, and I think I don't think Joe had any idea about family systems, but he was like, the system is going to want to go back to the way it was. It's going to want to go back to homeostasis. Homeostasis. So even if you try to like patch it up or do a fix, it's still going to want to go back to what it was doing. And part of what it was mm -hmm. doing was saying, well, you know, some people just have to die. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Not great. So you got to just. Break that down and start afresh. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty counter to the way we do things in this country from a governmental perspective. Yeah. And um, all of my parts are chilling out because they like the idea of systems because that makes sense to the whole system. Mm-hmm. And, and the part that was all like social control um, is like, I was trying to say systems. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is what happens. This is a great example of how like prompt dependent our brains are, right? Because like we yeah. had very much been giving our brains the prompt of the panopticon. Which is all about social control. All about social control, control, all about like the language of authoritarianism. And so that mm -hmm. was just coming out, even though you and all of your parts are steeped in systems. 
<laughs> Absolutely bathed in them. Mm, like a like a Earl Grey tea. Just <laughs> ready to be drunk. <laughs> oh wow. This has been really fun. It has. Um, and I think part of the reason like I'm noticing very much that like you and I were having a lot of jokes, there's a lot of quips. Perhaps part of this is that we've now been in quarantine for we're in like week six, I think. Six, six weeks? Six, six weeks, weeks feels right. Um, and by the time this airs longer? Longer. It'll be week eight if I'm doing the math correctly in my head. And at this mm-hmm. point, it's anyone's guess. Um, <laughs> but I think it's starting to show because other than very nervously like standing far away but sort of near people in the grocery store... I'm not interacting with any other humans, save our producer, who's also my life partner. (gasps) Bombshell! I bet there are people who haven't put that together. Oh, well, for those of you who weren't aware, our producer, (laughs) 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 Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens, is also my life partner of 10 years almost 10 years your romantic life partner because i am your platonic that's true you are my platonic life partner and he is my romantic life partner (laughs) back to your point about us being a little bit slap happy i think that is legit real i mean you go to the grocery i don't even go to the grocery store i go i don't go anywhere that is inside a building that is not my house yeah i go for i go for walks i have now gone for a bike ride It was scary. I hadn't done one in almost a decade. Oh my god, that's right. You lived. You didn't die. Oh, I lived. And I I still have a lot of really nice gear because nine years ago, I competed in a duathlon, which is running and biking. And so I'm wearing the sweet gear with the sweet bike. (laughs) And it's some cognitive dissonance watching me then riding like a toddler. (laughs) Can I ask, after the duathlon, yeah. was that the point at which you were like, biking, gonna take a break? No, did I not tell you I had a bad accident before my duathlon? Oh, no, you did. But then you still did the duathlon. And that was when you were like, you know, I've grown a lot since then. I So I was like, I signed up for the duathlon. I'm doing the duathlon. Um, this, was, this was a me that was not as self-aware as the current me who would be like, I fell and really hurt myself. Mm-hmm. I required a lot of recuperation, and I couldn't train for this thing. I don't have to do it. But instead, I was like, I'm going to pick myself up by my, by my bootstraps, and I'm going to run and bike 26.2 miles. I can't remember how it was split up. Oh, my God. That's so much running and biking. But it's still the length of a marathon. Yeah. yeah. Uh I know. I think. Oh, and I remember I uh, I did this with a friend. Uh We didn't we hadn't trained together or anything, but like I knew she was also doing the duathlon and she was done like an hour before me or something. Um, Um. And I was like, I need to go die when I finished. And she was like, "Okay, well, I'm I'm going out for ice cream. And I was like, how are you? Okay." She's like, this is what I do every weekend. Wow. I mean, we all enjoy different things. We do. We, we do. do all enjoy different things. And that's mm-hmm. fine. That is fine. 
It's just yeah, I but, can tell that you didn't myself and your friend um we we enjoy very different things. We do. Yeah. Yeah, but I I do not engage with other human beings right now other than virtually. Yeah. And it makes a ton of sense that when when we get to hang out we just, we're just like yay. Yay, talking. Hi. <laughs> other humans. Um that might be something that's like prescient to talk to talk to talk talk about Mm -hmm. um the different ways that folks are kind of feeling the impact of the quarantine being as now we've been we've been doing it for a while Mm -hmm. and the panopticon is pressing down upon you i mean sure it's interesting though because like you can frame it in a in like a couple different ways in terms of like mm-hmm. how we're viewing this pandemic panopticon or this like quarantine panopticon at least, which is a response mm-hmm. to the pandemic, which is that it is both something that is being mandated mm-hmm. and it is also something that we do have some choice around. Sure. And I do and it's interesting because like choice is really important to human beings like it just in general mm-hmm. to make a generalizations like we do so much better as human beings if we feel like we have a choice i'm um, nodding mm-hmm. um and yet this is one of those tricky situations right where you know all kinds of leaders like mayors governors mostly mayors and governors um are, are, <laughs> are leading the charge in terms of you know, making it very clear that things like parks are closed, you need to shelter in place, they're putting in these orders. And then there is some room for interpretation. And it is a tricky balance between like going full panopticon, which obviously is like inhuman and not okay. Um, Mm -hmm. But then not just saying that everybody gets to choose and totally do whatever they want, because Sometimes my Westworld construct is going to conflict with your Westworld construct. And when lives are at stake, it mm-hmm. doesn't just get to be about what I want to choose versus what you want to choose. And yet, if we're able to see the ways in which we do have choice here, and if we're able to kind of like use the power of therapeutic fan fiction to like reframe this for ourselves and write the fan fiction of I'm making choices to wear gloves, put on masks. Mm-hmm stay inside as much as I can to help other humans, not because I'm being told to, but because I'm also making a choice and I want to do this to help others. It feels very, very different. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I'm, you know, very, I'm very aware. And I want to name that like part of what allows, I think both you and I to feel like, Oh, look, we're making this choice um, within obviously like certain structures or systemic mm-hmm. structures is that um you and i are both in the position where we can work from home and our romantic partners in the position where they can work mm-hmm. from home there are lots of people who if they're at home they're not going to be able to work and if they're not able to work then they're not going to be able to do things like buy groceries and pay their rent and pay taxes mm-hmm. and because we don't have a federal government government that is like being sort of cohesive and coherent in its response. Mm-hmm. And I'm very much trying to be mindful and use like the most neutral language that I can here. But because our federal government is not kind of moving from that clear, cohesive place 
people people don't have the supports that they need right now. Many people don't to be able to shelter in place um, and also to survive. Mm-hmm. What's what's coming up for me right now mm-hmm. is I don't know if this fits with the Panopticon exactly, but that's okay because we've already, you know, mm-hmm. strayed a bit anyway. Well, we've, um, we've named it and now we've transcended it. Oh, tra- take that, Jeremy Bentham. <laughs> oh jeremy also known as john Locke. um really but you don't you watched lost didn't you yes but i stopped so, after like season two. Oh, oh yeah when um did you did you see the losties come back to the real world uh not in a very coherent way Okay, the Losties came back to the real world, and for some reason, John Locke started calling himself Jeremy Bentham. And you and I have had confusing conversations about this before, when I have used the name John Locke. Mm -hmm. And of course, because you have read a lot of books by dead dudes, you were like, I don't think we're talking about the same John Locke. And I'm like, we're not. (laughs) I was like, you mean the capitalist economist? And you're like, for the last time, no. (laughs) That is never who I'm talking about. Friendship is great. Um, but anyway, you you were like, there, there was something that was coming up for you. Um, yes. What was coming up for me is I, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. as we are in our individual little spaces, which are not prisons, they are not prisons. I, but People I in prisons wonder, are, are having a much more difficult time than folks who are not no, in I, Absolutely. I, this is not even remotely the same thing. Uh, but as we're thinking about the Panopticon, we are almost roll with me. We'll see if it lands. I'm okay, I'm rolling. Here. I'm ready. I'm all ready. I have my rolling I'm pants on. If each of us in our homes are in our own towers uh-huh. observing what is around us. Uh-huh. In this case, the the news and everything that's happening in the world. Uh huh. We are the observer, and the news. The journalists are the prisoners. And then nobody's a prisoner. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Well, so I don't think we ever fleshed out the fact that the Panopticon, as a sociological mm. concept, has come into the modern age and is no longer thought of as prison. No, that's it's true, the- and it's also unidirectional. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the point is that like you are if you are being watched, you are constantly under threat of being watched, but you don't know when and to what extent or for how long. Mm-hmm. Right. So you could think of it like if you work for a company that tracks what you do on the internet, that would be panoptican. Panoptical? It would be similar to the, it would function similar to the Panopticon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to just not try to make it a portmanteau because that's not, I mean, that happened before the show and it wasn't pretty listeners, not even a little. Um, but I think I see where you're going with this. And like, this is, you mm-hmm. know, like when most of us have a Gmail account and if it's not a business Gmail and I don't know, frankly, the, the skeptic in me thinks even if it is a business Gmail, but for sure, if it's not a business Gmail, 
Google it has ways to track everything in your email. And there is, then they sell it to people so they can market stuff to you. Mm-hmm. And so in our modern age, we think of that as being panopticon-esque. Um, because I'm not aware of how often or to what degree or the frequency that like Google is like tracking my interests and my searches. Panoptic. Great. I just know that they are. <laughs> because whenever I go on Instagram, I'm like, oh, they're trying to market the last thing I searched to me. Great. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. Yeah, so we well let's let's put a pin in what I was just talking about. And we are currently being panoptic <laughs> by different f- tech bots. Yeah. Sure. By, by a variety of tech bots. Um who are, I mean, probably capitalizing on our fear because we probably just Googled something about, I, after the face mask thing, I got so many ads for face masks for a while. <laughs> no, that's real. That's real. And I went through a period where I was worried that all my hair was falling out. Um, and I would like Google that late at night when I wasn't able to sleep. And so then the next morning, first thing that Instagram was then marketing to me as like weird hair regrowth supplements. um funny story i um so friends at home every now and then as a public figure i google (laughs) myself to see if there's been any news that i've missed about me wow Uh, i have never i have i I, well since i've become a version of a public figure i suppose Mm -hmm. i have not googled myself at all but that feels like a very spock thing to do oh god don't Mm -hmm. tell me about it Well, I I googled you because we had to. I had to find one of the articles that we were interviewed for. Oh, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, no, we did. Yeah. That's right for the for the publishing marketing mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I, this is something I do on a fairly regular basis, and I found something that I hadn't seen before. Uh, the the good people at Yoga International are are good friends at Yoga International, where Ensign Kyle Rebar works. Mm-hmm. Um, had put out a training and added me talking about inclusion as a bonus content. Oh. And so this You're bonus up. content now. I'm a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, she's not main content. <laughs> she's bonus content. Oh, I didn't think about it that way, but I suppose you there. That's fair. Well, it's all it's all in how you say it, right? It's all no. in how you fanfic it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um like the bonus but, Jonas brother. Which one's he? Uh, he's the one that's not in the band. Oh. They okay. called him the bonus Jonas. The bonus Jonas. Mm-hmm. I hope, <laughs> I hope, I hope you're doing well, bonus Jonas. <laughs> well, he's got some pretty sweet in-laws. Um, <laughs> uh, but after I clicked on it to see, oh, look, this thing that I was in, I have been getting ads for that yoga international training that I am bonus content in. <laughs> yeah, you'd think they'd be doing a better job with the marketing piece. <laughs> so sometimes the, the person in the tower is just like really asleep at the wheel. Yeah, well, it's a bot. The bot was like, you're interested in yoga international? Here. <laughs> Check out this training. Take, take out this training. I'm like, I'm in that training, bot. 
Bot's like, does not compute. <laughs> um, I do want to go back to what you're saying about like we're all in the panopticon now because we're in quarantine. Um I I don't know if this is what you were thinking, but what that made okay. me think of is that now, right now we have an opportunity, those of us who are able to safely be in quarantine and financially mm-hmm. be in quarantine. Um there is uh, the privilege panopticon. The P squared. We finally made it to P squared. Um <laughs> that to greater or lesser degrees, depending on our respective jobs, I think there is opportunity mm-hmm. to move more slowly and take stock. I just wrote about that. That's true. You did. Um, for something that's actually going to be coming out in Yoga International. <laughs> this is this not a plug for Yoga International, everyone. Not like, brought not. to you by Yoga International. <laughs> we do not get any finance. Like, this is nothing. We're not getting paid for this. This is not an ad. Um, just, we, <laughs> they're just very nice people. They're very nice people. Um... So, yeah, so, like, now's the time to kind of slow down, take stock, and really sort of, like, look at, with a critical eye, what what is happening around us and what is mm-hmm. in the news. And this reminds me of our, one of our producer's favorite Simpsons quote, which is said by one Homer Simpson to his wife, Marge. Marge, it takes two to lie, one to lie and one to listen. yeah and there's all kinds of information out there and we Mm -hmm. get to choose what we're going to listen to and how we're going to listen to it Mm -hmm. and we can definitely be critical listeners yeah yeah that that's important And I guess part of where I was headed in my thought process is it while we are observing like the news, which by which I mean like observing our political figures and they are not observing us, Mm -hmm. um, we have the opportunity to apply some social control. In that we get to push back and say, hey, we are not cool with what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Fit? Not fit? I mean, I think it's a, f- I think it's a fit. Um, and it's just, you know, it's another thing that listeners, for those of you who have time to just ponder, this is a thing to ponder. Mm-hmm. It's a ponderance. And I would say, like, and I would extend that to, like, thinking critically about different types of journalism and different kinds of biases and viewpoints and how, and how they're represented. Um, Slants of stories have a huge difference and just noticing that. And really it is about noticing. It's not necessarily like, I don't know, turning on the television set and just like railing against like Fox news. It is about noticing what are the things that different, the different like journalists are doing and not doing, saying and not saying, and noticing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the the job of the tower is just to observe. Oh. And now the beast has taken back the power. Ah, oh, the beast! <laughs> Which makes me think of the magician. Oh. 
That is so true. They did a great job with the Beast reveal, just as a, an aside. Oh, so good. So good. I did not see it coming. No, not not at all. Not even a little bit. And then it just, and as, you know, is this the case with any great reveal? Then when it is revealed, you're like, but it makes so much sense. Like, of course it does. Of course. Knowing what we know. Knowing what we all know now. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, should we we start to meander back to an ending, a conclusion of sorts? <laughs> but the Panopticon is a circle. Uh- <laughs> it is. That's that's a fair point. So, Captain, what do we want to invite listeners? I mean, people can take whatever they want from this episode, but if we were to offer them some I was trying to like combine Panopticon and gems, and it just didn't work. If we were to offer them some gems here, so, a gem Opticon, a gem Opticon. See, this is why you're the captain. Um, if we were to <laughs> offer them a gem Opticon, what what might one be? What do we want people to take away? One of the great things about um, gem Opticons is that you can like pick them up. I, for some reason, in my mind, I always imagine them being in a being in the sand. I just imagine mm. you, me, and our listeners and we're just there at the end of the episode apparently uh, at the beach and it's like twilight <laughs> and we just like we pick up different things we're like would you like this one would you like this one and today we, you pick this up and you're like actually i don't want this one so i'm not gonna <laughs> offer it to you oh yeah yeah that's real that's real i i invite i invite our listeners to consider what it means to be observed and to be an observer. What does it mean to bear witness Mm. and to be born witness? Two. Does that work? To be born witness to? Yes. Yes, it does, actually. I just had to, like, think my way through the grammar. (laughs) Um, Sometimes it comes very naturally and sometimes it doesn't. And today it didn't. But that, I, Mm -hmm. I actually, I really like that, in fact. Oh, yay! Gem Opticon! Check! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so we talked about a lot of things today in terms of terms. Um, Narrative therapy, systemic family therapy, in particular, Sal Mnuchin. Sal Mnuchin. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The the father of uh, structural family therapy. And we talked about Michel Foucault and Jeremy Bentham... Obviously, we talked about the Panopticon, um, Internal family systems. <laughs> it would not be an episode without internal family systems. That is the way. Mm. This is the way. Oh. And then in terms of additional sources, um, The Magicians, The Simpsons, Adventure Time, Lost. And though we didn't directly reference it, we did talk about Jeremy Barry. Um, so mm-hmm. the good place too. Oh yeah. Oh, why didn't we talk about the good place? What a great example of being observed and the observer. My God, why didn't we talk about that? <laughs> well, there it is, folks. Um, if you want to see a- another great example of what a panopticon would look like, just watch season one of The Good Place. Hmm. Is we really, you know, quarantine impacts us all. Um, we are living through this with our listeners, and we're not immune. Oh no, we're not immune. No, we're do- we're doing our best. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and maybe, and this is an interesting gem opticon at the end here, but I'm just going to go with it because if this episode has been about anything, it's about questioning, you know, constructs and reality. Mm-hmm. That originally the panopticon, it was very much viewed as unidirectional, right? So it was mm-hmm. person in the tower observing the others. But in fact, when you are the person in the tower, you like you are being thought of by the other like the prisoners are thinking of you they are aware of you being there mm-hmm. and you probably have some type of parasocial relationship with them well of course you do right yeah, yeah so while it's not the sense it's certainly not the same as it being you mm-hmm. know bi-directional reciprocal in the way that like you and i are both looking at each other and we know we're looking at each other and talking to each other mm-hmm. we're still you can be aware of another human being's existence, even if you're not having a direct relationship with them. And part of the challenge of the pandemic is attempting to be aware of every, like all like humanity's existence globally Mm -hmm. and trying to hold awareness and invite that awareness in as we make decisions. That was a beautiful gem opticon. (laughs) <laughs> getting in at the end sneak sneak it in in there <laughs> get it in there we be, might even call it a bonus gem optica <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't part of the main test but it's a bonus because mm-hmm. if you are the type of person who as soon as we start recapping right. you hit stop you missed this but if you are a person that listens to the bitter end to find out if there's bonus content bonus you made it you made it hats off to you completionist (laughs) (laughs) oh we may be at the helm of the ship but we know who really keeps us running thank you to ensign kyle rebar who composed our theme song thank you to lieutenant Catherine mandicat duthy who designed our beautiful cover art and finally thank you to our fabulous producer lieutenant commander brian therens you can observe us any day wink wink join us for our next app on Magic comes from pain. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always, live live long long and and prosper. prosper.